0: Good morning, everybody. How are you going? My name's Jasmine, if I haven't met you before. I'm part of the team, and it's great to be here with you all this morning. I um, want to welcome you all here, and for those of us, those of you, rather, who are joining us online, welcome. So fasting is coming up quickly, and um, it's funny that you mentioned that we're fasting because I was actually going to talk about fasting today. So um, let's have hearts that are ready to learn something new from the Lord this morning. Um, so, um, like many people in this church, um, we've just come back from holiday ourselves. Um, unlike the Chrysopoolis, we're not a caravanning family, we're a, a tenting family. Any other tenting families? Oh, there's like just a handful, but you know, kudos to you guys. Um, you know, it's for the rough, the ones who are really strong and can withstand a bit of cool was that a bit that was a bit mean, sorry. No, we actually got bowled over by um, a, a massive gust of wind and our, our gazebo bent um, in many places, so it was completely irreparable. But um, camping, it's great fun. Um, but we go to a great family um, caravan park. Um, it's really small. Our kids have a great time. Um, and as kids do, they make friends very easily with everybody around the caravan park. Um, our little Violet, who's eight, she learnt, um, earned the nickname of friend-making machine. Um, at the campsite so that was pretty cool she has the confidence to go up to someone and say hi and Violet would you like to play with me so there's a lot in that she's doing a great job often her big sisters will send her to go and um, give a message to someone else but she did a great job and through the kids as is often the case we were able to meet um, other parents at the campsite who we were potentially too nervous also to go up and speak to but we got to meet um, some parents and there was a family that we've, we've seen the last few years at camping and we got to reconnect um, and talk about the year that was and talk about um, what's been going on in our lives um, and on the last morning we packed our car we've got a big roof pod um, on the top of the car we had a bike on the top of the car we've got four bikes on the back of the car it's all piled in all jammed in and we're saying goodbye to these friends and this lady Kate who I don't really know that well she's really just an acquaintance that we see once a year She turned to me and she said, well, I hope you have a great year. Sort of just put it out there like that. And, you know, it was a kind thing to say, a nice sentiment, but it sounded sort of really unsure. (laughs) It was hopeful, but a sense of no control or inkling of what this this year actually could potentially look like. And I was sort of thinking about that in the days after and made me think about our hopes for the year, how we hope things might turn out how we hope our faith might grow, what it might look like in 2024. It's sort of open-ended and it was a bit wavering the way that that she put it. I hope, hope you have a great year. I hope that you encounter God this year. I hope that you grow in your faith. Do we shakily put out a hopeful statement for the new year? There's something about that pause, isn't it, that undecidedness that left my heart thinking, no, I actually want something more than that. I want something steady. I want to have a desire to pursue God no matter what this year holds. A digging down on my heels in the sand saying, no, this is the line here. I want to seek God intentionally and purposefully. And over the course of the week, God brought Psalm 63 to my mind. um, It came in in the form of an old song that I used to sing. Um, I will not sing it for you right now, but it was a beautiful song um, based on Psalm 63. And this psalm, if you know it, it talks about a deep longing for God that can't be satisfied by anything other than God himself, than being in his presence. It was written by King David, and he wrote this psalm fueled by a knowledge and an experience of God's presence and power at work in his life. Because he had tasted and seen that God was good, he speaks about seeking and thirsting, longing and looking and beholding God's presence once again. So as we are about to approach a season of fasting and of prayer, we can learn a lot from this psalm, I believe. We can let these words speak to us and challenge us. So we're going to walk through the psalm Together, we're going to let it show us a picture of a heart that is truly longing after God. And then we're going to look at how fasting is a means of doing this and of fostering a relationship with him. So let's bow our heads and pray and invite God into this space. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you for this uh, place where we can come and gather as people who love you. And Father, we want to seek your face more and more. We want 2024 to be a year marked with your presence. We want your name to be lifted up and glorified. And we just ask that as we come around your word this morning, would you awaken something within us? Spirit of God, would you stir our hearts to desire more of you, that your name might be glorified. We pray that you would teach us and change us, challenge us and convict us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you'd like to um, open your Bibles to Psalm 63, if you have your Bibles with you, otherwise it will be behind um, on the screen. So it says right at the start of the Psalm, I think it probably won't matter what translation you have in front of you, but it has a little subtitle and it says, A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. So most commentaries would say that the Psalm probably happened in one of two places it was either um in David's wilderness years before he became king and before he came to the throne and he was being pursued by Saul or it was once he was already king and he had to flee from the throne from his son Absalom who was trying to take over so we're gonna go with the latter I think that's the one that best fits but you know do your own research guys Um, but he was fleeing from his son who was trying to take his throne It's probably not a high point in his life. So David had a a band of merry men and him and his followers spent a short while in the wilderness of Judah. They basically were fleeing for their lives. So there's just a few people around him. His son is out to get him, to kill him, to take his throne. And David writes this psalm. Now think about it, he'd been king of the land, he'd been living in this land of promise, the land his forefathers possessed and inhabited, they became the nation of God. Um, But even in this fruitful land, there were still places of wilderness, places that were less fruitful, less inhabited than other places. These places were probably lonely and solitary, um, desolate and afflicted, places of wanting, wondering and unsettledness. He went from being the king of all the land, the highest position of all the people, had, could eat at his table of anything that he wanted to eat, the finest food and drink, and now he's pushed out of his own kingdom and hunted down by his son. So that's the setup for the psalm. That's the context. Let's read from verse 1. And we're going to read all the way through. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. So he starts off saying, God, you are my God. It's sort of a, a summary for the whole psalm. He's putting it out there. It's not just, you know, a throwaway line, but it expresses a deep reality with his, within his heart. God, you are the one that I worship. You are the one that I adore. And it was a day when many people worshipped different gods, and each nation had their own God and David is declaring his allegiance to God. Earnestly, I seek you. I long for you. Now, when it talks about longing, it's, it's not talking about just maybe we'll see an acquaintance sometime and oh, I might see them and that might be great. It's a deep longing within someone. Think about when you, you might meet a new friend and you have this connection and you can just talk to them about anything and you want to spend time with them. It's that longing to just spend more and more time with this person. David says, My flesh, my soul thirsts for you. And he's going to talk about his soul three times in this psalm. This is the first one. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now, he's obviously in the wilderness when he writes this. And if you think about the person of David, he would have spent a lot of time in the wilderness over the course of his life. Before this time, he was a shepherd as a boy in the Judean desert. And he would have there worked on his skills as a shepherd, learning how to protect his sheep. He would have known the land. And he would have known where there were places to lead the sheep to water, where there were water holes. There actually was water in the desert. But what David's doing here is not actually telling us literally there's no water. I need to find water. He's giving us a picture of how he's feeling within. His language is expressing the fact that his soul, um, not his soul, but he feels completely far away from where God is in the sanctuary, in the place of worship um, in Jerusalem. It's painting a picture for us of a deep longing for the presence of God. There was nothing that could satisfy him except the presence of God. He knows that his soul and flesh is deeply restless and unsatisfied without God, He's not fooling himself. But we can be fooled sometimes, maybe, into thinking that we can find satisfaction in places other than God's presence. Perhaps it's food, and that's where we might find comfort. Yes, we need food. For energy, um, but how often do we find ourselves reaching um, for that whatever it is—chocolate bar? I know in the evening I have a cup of tea. I'm like, oh, what's in the fridge? I'll just go and see if there's anything that wasn't there half an hour ago. Maybe Steve went out and bought me a Kit Kat. <laughs> um, we look to food. Um, we might go shopping to get a nice fix of something new that makes us feel good, or perhaps um, it's a good relationship. Um, with a husband or wife, that fulfills us and makes us feel good. I mean, they're all good things, aren't they? Maybe it's if we can get good holidays, ones that, you know, the ones that look really picture perfect and you can post on Instagram and looks great. Maybe it's a successful career. We all have different things that we look to that we're hoping will satisfy us. But only the presence of God will satisfy our longing hearts. That's why David continues to say in verse 2 that I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. He's saying, I have seen your goodness. I have encountered your power. I've encountered your glory. The experience of being close to you, God. He laid eyes on the Ark of the Covenant. That was understood to hold the very presence of God. That's what he's talking about. He, He had tasted and seen that God was good and faithful. As Pip shared so beautifully this morning, he knew God's faithfulness and he knew that God's presence was all that he truly needed, even though his very life was at stake. But I found it really astounding that when David offers this psalm of praise to God, he wasn't even anywhere near the sanctuary. He was in the wilderness. And somehow, you know, he puts these words out of of thirsting and longing after God, but he also then continues to offer these words of praise to God. And it's as if the wilderness sharpens his appetite for God. I don't know if you've heard the phrase before, wet the appetite, or to wet the appetite. Now, that's spelled W-H-E-T, not W-E-T. And I learned about something called a whetstone. Um, now, Steve loves cooking and he loves to sharpen our knives so that they're, you know, the most effective for cooking. And I sort of giggle at him as he gets this whetstone out and he Actually, use the water to wet it, um, but it's called a whetstone. And what it does is it sharpens the knife, so they're able to be used effectively. So, wet the appetite means to sharpen the appetite, to heighten it. David has experienced God's glorious presence before, but it's almost like the wilderness provides the environment for heightening and focusing his awareness of the power of God's presence and his thirst for it. We're going to come back to this a bit later on. David knew that God's sanctuary wasn't just a place and God's presence wasn't just there, but it was also like a spiritual concept that could be entered by faith no matter where a person was. We are invited to experience God's power and glory anytime, anywhere. And we're standing at the the other side of the cross, aren't we? we've received the Holy Spirit as people who, Um, have said yes to Jesus we've received the Holy Spirit who lives in us and who opens our eyes to see and to experience God's presence with us all the time David cries out with praise because your steadfast love is better than life my lips will praise you so I will bless you as long as I live I will lift up my hands so the next section of the psalm verse 5 he started off originally saying remember my soul thirsts for God and now he says my soul will be satisfied Because your steadfast love is better than life. No matter where I am, if I'm on the mountaintop or in the wilderness or in the valley, I have experienced your love and nothing can deny that. Whether I'm in the sanctuary, whether I'm here in the building, I can know and experience the love of God. I can meditate on the mercies and grace of God that we have received. That's what it talks about with him meditating over the night. David can rejoice in the shelter of the shadow of God's wings. And we see that picture um, talked about all through Scripture, of God's compassion of mercy and how he just shelters us as a mother um, bird would shelter her young chicks. David can sing for joy in the wilderness because God is his help. The last section talks about God as our protector, our shepherd, our deliverer, the one who we can put our trust in. Um, to fight against our enemies and to uphold us. David says, For the third time, my soul, this time my soul clings to you, God. Again, he's not just sort of got a loose, you know, hand grip, but he is clinging on to God's faithfulness. He's clinging on to God's strength, not his own. And it's only at the end of the psalm that we actually see David's enemies come into view. We know from the context that he... um, you know, has had to flee to the wilderness because of his enemies. But it's only right at the end that we see the enemies come into view. David's been so absorbed in the presence of God that the presence of his enemies weren't his focus. He had a deep communion with God that maybe didn't take away his problems, but he was able to trust God to deal with his enemies rather than David trying to deal with it himself. So as we look over the whole psalm, we can see that David found a way to praise God in the wilderness. There was something about that environment that stirred his thirst for God and he found satisfaction in God's presence. He could place his trust in God, his protector and deliverer. So that was a bit of a quick sweep through the whole psalm, but I want to ask all of you today, how can we earnestly seek God? We're all at different seasons, maybe you're feeling restful at the moment, maybe you're feeling dry and like you're in a wilderness season, maybe it's a slower season and you're feeling calm or maybe everything's kicked in for you and you're feeling really busy and overwhelmed and it's not February yet. I imagine for many of you in this room, you're here because you want to know God more You have a heart that says, I do want to seek God um, with all I am. I want to long for him or, or maybe I want to have that desire within me. And our hearts say, yes, I know this is the right attitude to have before a holy God, a God who has saved me and rescued me. But our hearts often reveal a thirst and a dependence upon other things. We may have mountaintop experiences where everything is going well and we're filled with that gratitude and praise. Or maybe it's the valley or wilderness seasons that are really trying, and we we have those prayers of desperation, don't we, in those times? Or the prayers of lament and brokenness. In a world full of demands and mental clutter, how do we actually draw a line in the sand that puts everything else aside to pursue God? How do we cut through that noise? And I really believe that one of the best ways that we can do this is through fasting. I love this quote I read. How can we ever hear the words that proceed from God's mouth against the background noise of eating, cooking, thinking about eating, meal planning, going shopping, facing all the endless advertisements about food? And I added this one in, how can we receive the beauty and truth of God's word when we're choosing to constantly consume other people's opinions, their lifestyle choices? We're constantly seeing product placements and these curated images of a beautiful life on social media. How do we do that? Well, we go into the wilderness. The wilderness provides the environment for heightening and focusing our awareness of the presence of God and of our thirst for it. Richard Foster has written a lot about different spiritual disciplines and I love what he says about fasting. Fasting, he says, makes us more keenly sensitive to the whole of life so that we do not become obsessed with our consumer mentality. It is something of an inner alarm to help us hold our priorities straight to give us a sense of spiritual sensitivity. Fasting reveals the things that control us. We cover up, and I'd say not, not always intentionally, but we cover up what is inside us with food and other good things. But in fasting, these things come to the surface. Now, as I'm talking about fasting, you might be have your own understandings of, of it already um, and your own presuppositions. And you might be thinking like, oh, Um, Maybe I I can't fast food or I've tried that before, but let's see what we learn about fasting this morning. And I just encourage you to have an open heart as we approach this season and this opportunity of fasting. So every single time we think of the thing that we're fasting, so say if it's food or say if it's um, going on Instagram, whatever it is, we have an opportunity to turn our thoughts back to God And to have him satisfy that longing within us. It reminds us that we are sustained by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I don't know if you've fasted much before. And to be honest with you, I have done fasting with our church community for many years. Um, But for myself, I haven't done the regular sort of fasting. It's definitely something that I'm keen on doing myself as we learn about it more and um, come around the the word and see what the word has to say about fasting. So wherever you come from, again, have an open heart. So let's just look at what is fasting. And I'm aware that many of us might have had experiences with it, but let's come at it with a clean slate. So fasting is the voluntary denial of an otherwise normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. So we're talking about it in the spiritual context. We're not talking about Intermittent fasting or fasting for any other purposes here. In scripture, we see that it's abstaining from food. They didn't have social media back then. I'm not sure if that would have made the cut, but in scripture, it's talking about abstaining from food. Put simply, our purpose in fasting is to draw closer to God, it's to take the focus off of ourselves and onto God, saying, More of you, God, and less of me. We fast to serve God, not ourselves. And this is really important. It's not actually about what we're getting out of it. There may be benefits from it and we will surely experience God's blessing through it. But it's actually about drawing near to God because we realise that he is the one from whom we draw our strength. And he is the only thing that will satisfy. So let's take a look through some of the themes of fasting that we see in Scripture. Again, I'm not going to go into it in great detail today. Um, but I've got the scripture references up there. So why don't you jot them down and you can have a read through them this week and um, maybe when you're fasting, you could do that. All right, so in the Bible, um, firstly, we see fasting done as a petition for a certain circumstance. So people often found themselves in a dire situation and they basically needed God to move. It was often found that through fasting, God would speak to his people at those times and God would intervene. There's an example in 2 Chronicles um, chapter 20 and the surrounding armies are coming against them. So the people of God fast and they seek God for deliverance and God does intervene and he wins the battle for his people. Um, In Ezra chapter 8, the exiles were um, preparing to return to Jerusalem and they needed safe passage to get there. So they petitioned God and he answered their prayer and made a way through. So that's petitioning God for certain circumstances and situations. Then we see fasting very often done as a sign of repentance and an act of mourning. It's seen as a way that someone would humble themselves before God in Scripture. And there's um, a lot of um, Scriptures that talk about putting on sackcloth, which was a very coarse garment. I think it was made of goat's hair could be wrong but very uncomfortable to remind the people of their sin and their um their placement before god and there's an example in one king kings 21 um where the word of the lord comes to ahab um and he actually does humble himself before god um and he puts on sackcloth and he's mourning and he fasts before god and god relents and does not bring disaster upon his house um and in jonah which is always um, a great example, is Jonah comes and brings the word similarly to the Ninevites. And he doesn't want to do it because he knows that God is a merciful and gracious God. Um, And as Jonah gives them the word, the Ninevites actually do um, fast before God because they realize their sin before him. So they fast and God turns and relents. The third thing that we see in scripture is that it was actually a normative practice. It was part of what um, the people of God did. They did it as an act of obedience before God. Um, and it wasn't just once a year, but there were regular fasts. So we do see one that's once a year on the Day of Atonement, they would fast before the Lord as a community, um, as a public fast to be in sorrow as a, for atonement for their sins. And Jesus, of course, talks about fasting in his um, Sermon on the Mount. And he talks about When you fast, it's really interesting. He doesn't um, outright give the command that you must fast, but he talks about when you fast, that it was assumed that it was something that um, the people who follow God would be doing regularly. Fasting is a call to obedience. It's part of our Christian walk. And you might be approaching this season of fasting at church with one of these three perspectives. Maybe you are seeking God's answers about a particular situation or circumstance in your life. Perhaps it's coming from a place of repentance. Maybe God, um, you know, over the last, the summer season while you've had a bit of time, God's revealed things in your heart that you know need to change and you want to fast as a way of repenting before God and letting him change your heart and the Holy Spirit to work on your heart. Or perhaps you want to seek his presence just out of pure obedience and worship. Maybe that's where you're coming from this morning, to remind you that God is Lord over all of your life. And, you know, the fast is officially starting on Thursday. We've got a few days to think and pray about this. What would God have you bring before him um, for this time of fasting? There's so much that we could talk about at this time as we teach about fasting, but I'm going to run through, um, I'm not sure how many there are actually, but they'll come up, some principles about fasting. We've got five, there we go. Um, Just some things to keep in mind as we think about fasting because You know, I love that, um, you know, we started with the psalm because it's important that we see that example that David has given us. You know, Justin preached a few weeks ago about imitation. And we have these amazing examples in scripture of people who weren't perfect, like David, even like Abraham, that weren't perfect, but they knew that god was the one who could satisfy the deepest longings of their heart and they wanted to run and chase after who he was so we started with the psalm so we could be moved this morning but here are some practical things that we can look at as we approach fasting so number one fasting is about your heart there can be much talk about what is true fasting are some fast better than others if you have zero food and you only have water for 40 days are you more holy no is the answer to that question Um, we can get bogged down in the details of what we're fasting and all the particulars um, so much so that we're actually focusing on that action rather than the worship that we're supposed to be bringing before God it's Great to have a plan and be intention. That's why we're talking about this today. So you can think about what might God be calling me to fast, to give to him, um, to surrender over to him for these three weeks. So definitely plan. But remember, it's about your heart attitude. Don't get bogged down in the details. Um, I love in Joel 2.13, it talks about um, when people are coming before the Lord, to rend your heart and not your garments. So they would tear their garments when they were mourning Um, or fasting sometimes but God's saying if this is just all a show I'm not really interested at all I want your heart to come before me um, because you want to spend time with me because you want to seek me it's our position the position of our hearts that matters most to God so no matter what you're fasting make sure your motives are right we want to encourage everyone to take part in this fast but don't do it just because someone told you to or you're trying to earn brownie points or something. It doesn't work like that. It's about taking steps towards honouring God. It's between you and him. Number two, fasting reveals our motives. So what do our hearts long for the most? Is it the coffee that we have first thing in the morning that's delicious? Um... Is it getting noticed by people? Is it likes on social media? Is it um, just sitting down, watching TV mindlessly because we can relax that way? If you are fasting over the next few weeks, you'll know very quickly where your true devotions are. And by that, I mean the things that your heart longs for. Yes, we are people that are surrendered to God and we know that he is our number one devotion. But fasting very quickly reveals what's in our hearts and what our hearts are tied to. Do you know how many times a day you think about food? or well, you will if you're fasting. Do you know how many times um, that you think about going on social media? Or wanting to watch TV, well, you'll know every time you go to, to open that app or to switch on the TV. One I was thinking of this morning is um, about noise in our lives. And I know for me, um, silence has become something that I really treasure in periods of time. I love listening to podcasts, but you know what? Sometimes I need to turn that off and just have silence before God and let him speak to me, um, that I might also be able to pour out my heart towards him. How many times do we go to fill up our schedules or our agendas with things to keep ourselves busy? What are we looking to to satisfy us? We will find out very quickly when we're fasting. And that's not a condemnation at all. It's the work of the Spirit within us to draw us closer to God that we might then be able to to turn our attention to God, say, actually, God, you are the one who provides these needs for me. You give me comfort. You give me strength. You tell me that I am loved and chosen and created by you. That's why we look to the Lord. Again, the things aren't bad in and of themselves. We all have personal convictions about um, the way we spend our time and, and the things that we choose to do. Um, but we may discover that in these things that are potentially hard to give up, as Ty mentioned this morning, let's go for things that actually are hard to give up, that perhaps in these things we are looking for something. Maybe we are looking for comfort and joy and peace. Maybe we're looking for direction or guidance or distraction perhaps. All right, number three is fasting brings our dirt to the surface. Yay. Um, <laughs> We know that nothing we do or say is hidden from the Lord. He sees into the very depths of our hearts. And when we're fasting and we've stripped back these things that we would normally give our attention and focus to, we need to expect that things will come to the surface and we will receive that revelation from God. He will illuminate things, um, areas in our lives that should lead us to confession and repentance before God. Fasting puts the spotlight on the attitudes of our hearts that we didn't even know were there, perhaps attitudes that are self-serving rather than serving the Lord. Am I making it sound fun? (laughs) All right, number four, fasting reframes our circumstances with an understanding of God's character. That's what happened in this psalm. I'm aware that David wasn't fasting in this psalm. Um, But that picture of as David began to focus on who God is and his experience and his encounter with God, and then he remembered at the end, oh, hang on, my enemies are chasing me. He realised that God is a just God, that God would act fairly. David could commit his situation to God and act with the right perspective and balance, that he would rejoice in God and let God deal with his enemies or deal with the situation. So this is a challenge, I think, for us. We bring these situations before God as we will. Some of you have specific things that are going on in your life right now that you're bringing before God. Maybe it's um, a broken relationship. Maybe it's a need in your family, a financial need, um, or something for your kids that you're bringing before God. And we bring them before the Lord. And I think sometimes we sort of have already decided how we would like like it to work out in our minds. Um, But let this be a time where God gives you his fresh understanding of who he is and his character. You know, we can never discover everything that there is to know about God. We can never know the way that sees, the way he sees things. His thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. So let it be a time where he can reveal something fresh about himself to us. Let's not Put him in a box. I believe that as we present these things before him and we fast, that he will change the way that we think about some of these situations. And I'm really believing it's going to be a paradigm shift for many of us in this place. Number five, fasting prepares us. All right, so fasting prepares us for the works God has for us. And it changes us into Christ likeness, so that we're equipped to do those works. It prepares us as we come to those fresh realizations that he is our strength and we can do nothing without him. So you might think of when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness before, um, sorry, his time of fasting in the wilderness before he was then tempted by the devil. You know, we think about fasting and we often just think about food and we think about the physical things. But the major work of Fasting that we see in scripture is not about the physical, it's actually what's happening in the spiritual realm. It's about training and laying a foundation for what God wants to do in and through us. Fasting can bring breakthroughs in our life and in our spirit and personhood in the spiritual realm that would actually not happen any other way. So as you're bringing things before the Lord, would you believe that he can actually shift things and change things things that maybe appear immovable maybe it's attitudes of your own heart that you've struggled with for a long time you believe that God can break them as you lay down um, whatever you've decided to fast before him he can do in a moment what might take 10 years to do otherwise he is the God of miracles All right, so just as we come to the finish, I might get Dan to come up. Um, I just want to talk really practically about some ways to fast. Again, you might have heard this before, but um, let's go through them. So if you're able to, food is a great one. We all know that um, our tummies are going to start rumbling a lot because we rely on food. If you're unable to, we'll get to some of those a little bit later on, but food, you might like to skip one meal a day or two. You might like to do the Daniel fast, which is inspired by Daniel, Um, and we read about it in the book of Daniel. It's basically a plant-based diet, takes away meat, dairy, I think it's processed food, sugars, talk to April if you're interested in the Daniel fast. (laughs) I think they've done it a few times. You can do a liquid fast where you um, don't eat any food at all, and you're just having water, I think that's right, yep, or, um, or liquids, or you can do one where you're only having water, But if you're unable to fast food or you're, um, I would encourage you, if you're able to, even if it's just skip one meal a day, I'd encourage you to do that. But if not, um, some other things that you might be able to fast from. Think about the things in your life that hold your focus, that you use to to distract yourself. Perhaps it is social media. And, you know, we can often find our ways around this. So if it's one app, maybe delete all the apps because you'll probably just spend more time on the other apps. But think about what's, you know, what's the thing in right now that you're thinking, I really, I should do that, but I don't want to. That's the thing that you should probably be fasting. Um, Is it technology, different forms of technology, TV, streaming shows? That's a big one. Perhaps it's going to the shops for some people. You just like to have a look around, browse, see the things that might, satisfy us? Maybe that's one. Maybe it's um, listening to things when you're driving in the car or you're on the train on the way to work. Maybe it's sitting in silence before God and letting Him speak to you in the quiet of your mind. Maybe it's podcasts. There are many, many, many things that you can fast from. But can I encourage you to think right now, what is something that you could fast from? And I want to encourage you as well to tell someone, one about it whether it's someone that you live with or a good friend why don't you talk to someone after the service today this is what I'm thinking of fasting I want to make this time to spend with God David said God you are my God earnestly I seek you is that you today do we seek the Lord with all that is within us I wish that could be said of me 24-7. But I know that there's things in my life that I need to surrender to the Lord. And I want Him to move in my life. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. He is always here. As Ty said, He is always pursuing us. He's waiting for us to simply turn to Him. Let's choose to cultivate the presence of God, to bring ourselves into that place of a wilderness where we must rely on God and His strength, not our own, so that we can see Him more clearly. We won't find spiritual refreshment, chasing after satisfaction and comfort in food, in the latest trends, in the latest shows that everybody is binging. Whether we recognise Jesus as Lord of our lives or not, We're not going to find satisfaction in anything other than Him. Only the presence of God is going to satisfy our hearts. And I really believe that one way we can take a step towards this is in fasting. I'd like to invite you to all stand with me this morning. And if you're in this place this morning or watching online, and you want that to be said of you, God, I earnestly seek you. If that's the cry of your heart this morning, God, I long for you. I know that you are the one who will satisfy me, and nothing else comes close. Just says every head is bowed and every eye closed. If that's the longing of your heart, and as we're looking to this season of fasting, you want to just you want to know God more. You want to walk in his presence, you want to him to be the Lord over everything um, he already is in your life if you call him if you call him your king and if you've accepted Jesus but I'm talking about that longing of our hearts to just to seek after him in a new and fresh way for 2024 do you long for the presence of God if that's you this morning do you want to just lift up your hands I'd love to pray for us all this morning Yeah, so many hands over this place raised Father, we thank you for the joy that you've brought into our lives. And we thank you that we have found satisfaction in Jesus Christ. We thank you that he came near so that we could know you, Father God. And Lord, as we just stand here as a people, as your body, we just ask that you would move among us. We pray, Holy Spirit, would you just stir our hearts this morning? Would you awaken our hearts to long for more of you? Would you give us a fresh understanding and show us the ways where we've tried to seek satisfaction that isn't of you? Lord, I just pray for every person here as you bring these things to mind for us, and even now, even in this time that we've had this morning, or perhaps it's gonna be as we start fasting this week, intentionally to seek you, Lord. Would you help us to lay those things down before you, to truly repent and humble our hearts before you that we have mistakenly thought that anything else can satisfy us apart from you, Lord. We thank You, Jesus, that You came as the bread of life that satisfies us day after day after day, that You give us true food that will last into eternity. That's all we want, Lord. We don't want anything else but You. So I just pray for everyone across this room right now and for those online who are responding, Lord, would You fill us afresh with Your Spirit. Lord, would you just move in this house over the next few weeks in ways that we've never seen before, Father. We pray for a mighty move of your Spirit. We just lay down everything else before you, Lord. We just thank you in advance for the things that you're going to do. We thank you for the witness that we'll be able to share and the the stories that we'll tell that will point to you. And we just pray above all that All glory will be to you, God. We pray that your name would be lifted up in our lives as individuals in this season and as the community of Uni Hill Church, Father, that your name would just be a a banner just held up high above everything that we do, that you'll be glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.